And welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. I am Spencer Hull, as you can hear, broadcasting from a backyard in Atlanta, Georgia. Joined by wildlife, uh, both hired and free. The free in my backyard that you can hear through this microphone. The hired being our, my two co-hosts, both wildlife on the internet. That would be Jason Kirk. Hello, sir. What's happening? And guest, guest commentator of SB Nation, late of ESPN, late of the University of Florida. That would be Richard Johnson. Hi, Richard. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm playing the role of Ryan Nanny. I moved to the Northeast with one career plan, and against my best wishes, I now work for SB Nation. <laughs> oh, why do people keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that should tell you how much work sucks, that you'll skip it to work for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Come work here, everyone. It's good. That's good. Now, normally Jason is joining us from Kennesaw, Georgia. He is tonight, as I can see him on Skype. Can joining us from Kennesaw, Georgia, from the set of the others, or some other terrifying suburban horror movie, from what I can gather via the camera. I see it. Yeah, there is. We're we're doing this with actual cameras for the first time. Um, this is this is the most professional episode in our history, other than our few live episodes. There is a light behind me, which if I how about I sit like this and sort of silhouette myself? But I'll I'll point out Spencer has no light at all, no. and with his beard and glasses, all you can see is sort of his nose and forehead, like Santa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Like like <laughs> like uh, like like, uh, like Bray Wyatt as Santa. I'm like Smoky Mountain Santa. Gunshop. <laughs> Gunshop Saint Nick. That's me. Santa Claus. Uh, Richard, what you are joining us from uh, beautiful Bristol, Connecticut, correct? Beautiful Bristol, Connecticut. The uh, the cradle of civilization in central Connecticut. I uh, went and got a burger at this some steamed burger place. It's like a central Connecticut staple. Yeah. And one of the toppings was salt and pepper. And I wonder <laughs> why. I wonder, why would salt and pepper be a topping? I'm not going to order that. Why would I need salt and pepper on a burger? Then I tasted the burger, and that's when I realized why salt now, and pepper on is the, a On the menu, did it have, like, um, like a pepper logo like to let you know it's spicy? No, no, no. It was just salt and, I'm assuming, cracked black pepper. But uh, it, it says something that the staple food of Central Connecticut is bland and boring. Yeah. I... And, and, then you, and then you had Moe's. In, in an emergency situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Had to do it. Had to do it. Better than Chipotle. Don't at me. Moe's is- better than Chipotle? Moe's is better than Chipotle six days a week, twice on Sundays. Ah, Don't that me. is the hottest take in the history of this podcast. You're slinging heat from day one. I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in hot because it was like 40 degrees outside. So something's got to be hot here. So there is a place on Earth that is cold right now. That's cool to know. Yeah, this is trash. The north, the weather in the north is trash, and everybody warned me. Everybody, and I didn't listen. I live here now. I mean, I think I, I, I seriously think it's interesting that there's a place on Earth where autumn exists. That's cool to know. Thank you, thank you for exploring and for finding that out for us. This is service journalism. That's what we do here at Vox Media. <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for being bold enough. Please don't disrespect Yankee Thrift. They'll make you pay for salt and pepper. Remember that. These are the people who founded our country. <laughs> Pay for the salt and pepper. I always think of Jim Calhoun when I think of Connecticut, who, you know, when suggested that, you know, he, he have he shared the money that he makes with the football program or something, was like, not a dime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said, how, how, how dare you make so much money? Was it him or was it the men's coach? It was him. It yeah, was it was him. him. How, how dare you make so much money in it? And, you know, whoa, how much money have I made for this school? Yeah, it, it, Connecticut, the Connecticut economy. Get money. <laughs> yeah, a- a.k.a. Kentucky with nutmeg. That's what Connecticut is. Kentucky with nutmeg. I keep, wa- I keep waiting to like, run into like, Bob Giacca or something like the grocery store. Like, What's up, buddy? How are you doing? Good looking guy. How's the season? I, bet- I really wanted to go to UConn, Houston, but it's in Houston. I will be at I will be at Tulsa, Houston later. By the way, uh, to segue for this week. By the way, Houston playing the challenging Texas State squad uh, squashed them. Just absolutely decimated them. So, in case you were wondering whether Houston was still a thing, yes, but they're just decimating lesser competition for like the next two months, maybe a month, right? Until they play like Tulsa. They play Tulsa on like the ninth. I think I'll be there. 
but other than that, they're going to kind of fall off the radar. Oh, hey, Jason, did were there other games this weekend? Yeah, there actually was a bigger game than Houston, Texas State. Um, it involved the school with state in its name, one state over, not New Mexico State, but Louisiana State. Um, this game was amazing, and I think we all know what we're getting to, but let's really build toward it. Uh, let's start in, I think, the second or third quarter when a kickoff pelted a student photographer right in the face <laughs> as she was trying to uh, trying to win a bet by catching it, um, and, which was brave and, and heroic on her part and honorable. Uh, you know, you make a wager, you go out there and you try to catch the football that's descending at a rate of, I don't know, 80 miles an hour. I don't know. I'm not a math major. Um, but yeah, it beamed her right in the face and she was fine. That really set the tone. LSU Auburn already has its own tone. This is of course the game where Auburn's campus burst into flames 20 years ago during the mm-hmm. game. Yep. And a, uh, the, the, the hand of God smoke cloud was visible on ESPN. They're just playing football while, um, the barn is literally burning. That is the, that is the starting point for this rivalry. Um, we go from that to people on the sideline getting beaned in the face by footballs. Then we go to the end of the game, which it's one of the most confusing endings uh, ever. Um, in the final second, uh, so many things went wrong that our post explaining all this was, we, we just talked about, it was a, a video, a GIF, three screenshots, <laughs> 100, uh, 500 words, broken into six sections, Four different people wrote parts of it, including an actual college football official, Sid Ziegler. Um, and there are still people saying, hey, you missed this stuff like three plays earlier. And it's like, well, yeah, we were talking about one second here. It's an Auburn game. So, of course, we're talking about one, se- one second. Roll Tide. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 the, the very short version is um, LSU threw a touchdown. They won the game. It didn't count. Auburn won the game. Um, but that went wrong in... It would take me 10 minutes just to tell you everything that went wrong. After that, uh, Auburn's celebrating. They're rolling their trees, as they do, which is cool, which is good. If you've mm-hmm. ever been there, it's, it's a spiritual communal experience, which is nice. Uh, and, and, and somebody set the trees on fire, so the fucking trees were on fire. Uh, they put those out, and then we thought, okay, LSU-Auburn has finally calmed down. That was a rowdy edition of LSU-Auburn. Let's just move on. And then Les Miles was fired. Um, yeah, hey, and wait, Cameron yeah, yeah, fired, just, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and Ed Orgeron is in charge of the state of Louisiana now, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, Tom Herman, his name's out there, and Art uh, Art B word, his name's out there, and yeah, can we, yeah, boy, we we got Auburn LSU is going to be with us for months. So so let's 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 go back a couple steps here if I can, and and Richard, you can parse through this with me if if we can. Um, first of all, I would like to point out that the gentleman who didn't know how to act and decided to set the toilet paper on fire and burn one of the new trees at Toomer's Corner (laughs) uh, was not an Auburn fan, was not an Alabama fan. He was, in fact, an unaffiliated German visiting the United States. Which is this true? We we missed this. Richard we, actually called Auburn police and Lee County this morning to see if anyone had been arrested. Yeah, seven o'clock in the morning Central Time. I'm on the phone with Lee County, Alabama's jail, trying to find out if they got anybody in the service of journalism. For you, the listener slash the reader, this is what I provide for you. I've brought it to the table. Yes. Now, first of all, how were those people at the Lee County Jail at seven in the morning on a Sunday? They were real Alabama as usual. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. but they, 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 they caught the person. I, I hadn't seen this. Yes, his name was, uh, I believe it's Jochen, Jochen Wiest, an Auburn resident who police say is not affiliated with Auburn University. That's my favorite thing, that they go out of the way to say that this man was not affiliated with Auburn. Okay? And he was arrested on charges of Desecration of a venerable object, which is a class A misdemeanor. <laughs> Desecration. I'm surprised it's not a felony. I'm just 
I love that there's something in Alabama called desecration of a venerable object because presumably we can make Gene Stallings one of these, right? Like if anybody messes with Gene, it wouldn't just be assault. Be like, you're trying to desecrate a venerable object like the former championship head coach of Alabama and a good man. I feel like they would take that way too far. Like I feel like Houndstooth, like they would find a way to culturally protect Houndstooth maybe as like a historical artifact in a museum of such sort and mm-hmm. you couldn't do anything with it. I, the idea of of the bear, the idea of the bear, you can't say anything bad about uh He's like, about the, king, the, he's like the king of you Thailand, can't. right? Like you can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, the name of God you can't speak. Yeah, like, like <laughs> ba- he's Voldemort. He's Voldemort except we revere him instead of fear him. He's good Voldemort. He's <laughs> Voldemort. I think that's... <laughs> he who used to be named. Voldesport. Actually, Voldemort, we don't say his name because it's got Vol in it. It's got Vol in it, dang it. Roll Tide. Trash. But yeah, Jochen Wiest, a German, was the man who set the fire. Which, I really am waiting for Auburn fans to begin lobbying to stop this dangerous influx of German migrants. (laughs) (laughs) I somehow don't... Along the Atlantic coast. (laughs) I I somehow don't think that's going to be the reaction. Just, just... Color me shocked that, that that won't be the reaction. But we won't have a, the war eagle like, listen, they struck us. It was an act of terror. It was to the trees, the venerable objects that we call the trees. No, listen, we're laughing here. But Auburn had a drone deliver the game ball. So they are clearly doing some sort of weapons test, ballistics exercises. They're mobilizing on the planes. And, and my man from Germany may have just lit the shit and I, I, I'm not ready for full out all out drone assault via Auburn Plainsman, Tigers, War Evil whatever hey. dropping, dropping their dog bombs Well, I, I, tell you, I tell you what about that drone travels, what, travels accurately through the air don't it huh Gus you taking notes huh Mm-mm. yeah that's, that's an air game for you it don't run out of bounds on fourth down Gus Actually, Gus is probably like, can you program a quarterback like that? Can I just sit here with a controller and just just do that? That'd be helpful. That'd be very helpful. I'd like that. The question I have, too, about Auburn LSU, if we can get the crib notes version, okay, the extremely concise TLDR version of this for no one who saw, is this, that both coaches entered this game, like, fired, right? Like, whoever loses this game is pretty much fired, correct? Eventually, like we we we, no, we, we designed jo- a, we joked we, about we, this ahead of time. Well, the, on this program, we said, "Yeah, whoever loses is done," because we we have no um the, no one no one cares what we say. But at at SP Nation proper, we put up a graphic that was like it was like a, a boxing match, like loser gets fired eventually. Like we we added the eventually in there, um because we failed to have faith in college football, basically. <laughs> <laughs> in the absurd no, direction, we, right? We failed to learn the lesson that. Um, I think I think the the central theme of this particular program and like the the elevated wisdom that we have over most others is that the joke is always real. The joke <laughs> about college football is always the truth. We don't joke on this show. Loser gets fired. That's what facts happened. Only. Facts only. Facts. Hashtag facts only. Like Jay Z said on Twitter problem, that one time he tweeted. The problem was there there wasn't there was an amount of faith that was not placed in Auburn Jesus. And it had been a while since Auburn Jesus had had blessed the Plains with benevolence and blessings, but the first mistake that LSU made was allowing room for Auburn Jesus to come to the hearts of 85,000 people on Saturday night. And he entered, and with righteous vengeance and furious anger, did he assert his will on that game? Are you saying LSU has unconfessed sin in its life? Might need to go to church. Take Might him to church, Coach O. Take him call. to church. Oh, Take he can't. On an airboat. Actually, given his past and what he does when he comes in, uh, he's going to take him to churches and Popeyes. How both, many, same day. How many people do you think in the state of Louisiana every Sunday get to church via airboat? 30. Now, I want, and that's a high number. Like, think about it. 30 people actually going to church by airboat. That's a lot. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's, that's their, their modus operandi. That's how they get around. Airboat. I would also ask... So, that, yeah, 
this game was good. Yeah, so they basically have a second that runs off. They snap the ball with zero seconds. Danny Etling, Danny Etling, the salvation that Brandon Harris was not at quarterback, throws a, what's a brilliant TD catch, right? Throws a pass and a brilliant TD catch for yet another heartbreaking last-minute defeat of Auburn by LSU that was not, in fact, a defeat because uh, he snapped it with zero seconds on the clock. That's our TLDR version, right? I can see you twitching, Jason, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's the TLDR version. And like four other things, there, there, there was an LSU player who wasn't set. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Etling was like inches from being over the line of scrimmage when he threw it. The ball was barely caught. Like if LSU had won this game, it would have been like 18 degrees of bullshit. And the fact that Auburn did is the same. Like, this is the most no team deserved to win this game I've ever seen, and I loved every second of it. Was it? There was, I I don't even know who the receiver was. Like, there was a receiver, like, on shoulders, like, being carried out. Like, I was sitting with our colleague Dan Rubenstein watching the end of this game, and he was like, so, like, do they just drop him? Like, what do they do? Like, because we, like, quickly realized that, like, that was not going to stand. And so, like, what are we going to do? Just, like, drop him or... That's just going to be really awkward. Now, as bad as this experience, I've talked to two people who were at the game already today. And as bad as the experience or as enjoyable as the experience was for those of us who just wanted a train wreck in the stands, baffling. No one had a clue what happened. You couldn't see live. Most of the stadium couldn't see the winning TD or whether it was in. Most of them weren't watching the clock and assumed it was good when it was revoked. Nobody had a clue what was going on. So please imagine the mortal terror for all of these Auburn fans watching this happen. And somebody says, oh, that bad thing that just happened to you. No, 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 it never happened. It's like the end of a Hitchcock movie where you're unsettled. And suddenly they're like, no, it's all fine. We're happy. And you're like, I still don't believe you. Like that's that's what happened live. And Is the air. top going to stop spinning or not? <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> In this rivalry, the top never stops spinning. This rivalry, there's, there, there, there is no top because everyone's kind of in, in the middle of the SEC West. So yeah, so we've heard. Um, when did Ross Ross Dellinger of the uh, Advocate in Louisiana reported this first? That Miles, first it was a report that leadership was meeting. And I think the next report was like thirty minutes later. Like, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was like leadership is meeting and like within the next 24 hours, yeah. like they're going to figure something out. So like, oh, like Monday lunchtime, like, oh, this is fine. And like, yeah, 30 minutes to maybe an hour later, like out, gone. Are you kidding me? Well, okay. Yeah, uh, it was it was a good meeting. It was a productive, efficient meeting. I have to write something on this, but I do want to point out the irony of one. Yeah, this is the same nightmare Les Miles has had over and over again, which is a struggling offensive team pulling out a victory at the bell, right? At the at the one second mark to sort of save LSU's and his ass. And he didn't get that this time. So I think it's like there's great irony for me in his firing being completely arrhythmic, right? And at the last second, like not even at the last second, just out of nowhere, like what? Now we've seen enough. Bye. Like week four and you're gone. That's, that's very on point for his entire career at LSU where he won a national title with a 10 and two team where time and time again, he defied the laws of physics, gravity uh, and time to win and sometimes lose games at LSU it makes total sense when somebody's like, man, that's weird. It got fired in week four. No, no, this is exactly what Les Miles would be fired. And my favorite thing was uh, Bruce Feldman's tweet that LSU leadership wanted to fire him now before he could serve, somehow claw his way back to survive. Because <laughs> you know if they said, okay, we'll fire him at the end of the season, this motherfucker's going 10-2 and two is what's happening. Because as soon as you say we got to fire him, he is now invincible. He's, he's, he's super less. What's the what's the Dragon Ball thing? What's the word? I don't know. Super Richard, si- you're young, you probably su- know. Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Yeah, that that guy with the glowing hair and all that. That that that's that's when that happens. But the glowing uh, yeah, hat. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hat goes bleached blonde. Oh, no, we're not yeah. used to this yet. Uh, we <laughs> but would... yeah, yeah, they knew they had to just cut the snake's head off. I I do like this too. That if you'll recall, he is the first. He's the first coach I can remember who survived a political attack by the, like, official power apparatus of his state. And you know they'd come back, but you have to admire Les Miles for surviving 
several important members of the government saying, yeah, Les, you got to go. And then be like, nah, I'm not. It's funny. <laughs> and he's a Yankee, too. That's got to get him. Oh, yeah. He's, he's from Elyria. <laughs> he's from Elyria, Ohio. That's why he talks like that. And that's why he almost got the Michigan job, which, like, there's a pivot in history. If you want to look at Michigan kind of dodging a bullet, maybe. There, 2007, where Rich Rod, I like, do they or do they? Right? Like, is that is that? I a mean, point? It, w- it wouldn't it wouldn't have been worse. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, it it might have worked just fine. It might have. It was like, what what's what's his style? You're gonna play defense. You're gonna have a good offensive line, and there's gonna be no one behind the offensive line. Like, that's good for nine and three in the Big Ten. Especially that Big Ten, like 2007 Big Ten. Oh yeah. Would have been a whole different thing now. Man, Urban Meyer coming to sweep Les Miles out of that Michigan job. Woo. Just with the broom, pushing. That's that's Les Miles in the Big Ten in 2016 with Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer. Because Harbaugh would probably get, like, he'd probably just take, like, the Penn State job to piss, piss Michigan off, right? So uh, which Big Ten school now overreacts and fires its coach in order to hire Les Miles? Penn State. <laughs> Bye, James. Sorry. That's uh, a wow. That was funny. That was funny, but uh, hmm. yeah. Let's let's think on that for a second. Can I think on it? Can I ask you something? Does it does he have a big white hat already? Mm Mm-hmm. That he does. That he does. It's already got the stuff. I'm just saying, like that's you know that's like half the job, right? Do you have the stuff you need? Do you have a back brace? Show up at the warehouse. Got a big white hat? Why don't you show up at Penn State? There you go. James Franklin doesn't have a back brace. Pretty sure. <laughs> and then James Franklin to Vandy. We're good. We got everything figured out. <laughs> it's just Derek, Derek Mason just takes the D.C. job there. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. Just, just yeah. coming back to crash with mom and dad. Yeah. So with this, the, the LSU job is inexplicably open. Leaving, not inexplicably. The timing is weird, but it makes sense when you think about it. Because LSU... They had to get Les out as soon as they possibly could. Because, yeah, he was going to rally. Because he's semi-immortal. Not immortal, semi-immortal. And he's already survived one serious attempt to push him out. So they had to do this fast. Second, they got rid of Cam Cameron. Which, <laughs> man. Cam Cameron. Every time I've seen Cam Cameron, like, if you, Cam Cameron fired has to have one of the strongest correlations in Google history, right? If you're like, how many search results do you get? It's like, you get 9 billion results. Like, Cam Cameron's been fired from jobs coordinating the West Indian cricket team. Like, he's... Like, 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 like you type Cam Cameron, the autocorrect is like, fired, firing, buyout, contract, gone, terminated. Like when they say, you know, hey, listen, man, if you know if you haven't been fired as a coach, it'll eventually happen, right? There's two kinds of coaches, those who have been fired and those who will eventually be fired. I'm like, there's a third category, Cam Cameron, somebody who's probably like been super fired and mega fired and thrown into the sun and, you know, locked out of his office. Like that's that decision. Like when we look back at SEC coaches who get fired, the offensive coordinator hire that goes sideways has got to be like the number one cause of death. I feel like with I feel like people are like forgetting that Cam Cameron is fired. I mean, I understand like everybody's you know less miles to the big ticket, but like y'all got the real problem out and the maybe problem out at the same time. That's impressive. Oh yeah, I, I'm proud of that for LSU. Um, that's high level Louisiana. Yeah, no, you did you did like a full you did like a full like basically like bloody Sunday. You just swept everyone out of the office at once, leaving only what? The defensive staff? Really? That's that's what's in charge. Some position coaches and the defensive staff. Oh And they, they didn't even wait till like a bye like they play a game in six days. Yeah. Like that's how that's how that's how fed up. Like you have a game in six days, we're going to do a new coach now. Which to be fair, if you take them out, couldn't you, me or Jason, do a pretty good like simulation of what Cam Cameron would call. You're like, okay, here we go. I'm going to get Leonard Fournette 58 carries on a bad ankle. There we go. <laughs> and then uh, just throw the ball real high. Yeah. That's it. We're yeah. good. Throw a couple of comebacks. Throw the ball so, yeah, real high. Yeah. One, one, of us, one of us doing that, and then the other, um, another of us could be less. We, we can do this. 
we we can pull in six million dollars between <laughs> between the three of us. Yeah, that's that's one million for you, one million for you, four million for me. This is working really well. I'm playing less. That's this fine. is how. This that's is fine. how. Yeah, the best part is this is actually how management in college football works. That's a great <laughs> idea, guys. I'm going to get four million for this, and you guys get one mil each. <laughs> it's actually SC West. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's only six hundred thousand after taxes. Don't go crazy. So, with this, Ed Orgeron is interim head coach. Ed Orgeron, maybe the most like what qualified interim coach when you look at his record as an interim, because he, he's already done this. My my problem here is like he's not gonna get this job. Like we are gonna get our hopes up, and we are gonna be really excited. That they might go to a Sugar Bowl and all this kind of stuff, and it'll be peak Louisiana. They are going to carry him out on their shoulders, and he is not going to get this job. <laughs> and people are going to be pissed. My heart is already breaking because we were sad enough when he, um, <laughs> when he resuscitated USC and followed old grumpy Lane Kiffin and like giving the players cookies and all that. And they loved him. And he's like writing, writing personal notes to the band and, uh, you know, went from, from cranky grouchy Edo who wanted to fight Stephen Godfrey to, um, <laughs> you know, lovable, lovable, uh, swamp uncle of college football. Now he's gone to LSU. Edo LSU head coach is a dream. We have all spent the past decade building toward it's it's now so close. There's just one word there, and I don't think we're going to get past it. The word is interim. Um, it, it's it's just tantalizing. And and Richard, you're absolutely right. This is going to hurt. It, it'll hurt now. And the best part, the worst part, and best part of this is that Ed Orgeron, in addition to maturing and being a really great interim coach, right, and doing a good job with USC and being yes, the exact opposite of what he was at Old Miss, right. My favorite story about him at Old Miss was when they had a daytime, they had a fireworks display that was supposed to take place at night, but Old Miss's record was so bad they got moved to the noon slot, but they did the fireworks <laughs> display anyway. <laughs> like that's the Ed Orgeron tenure at Old Miss in a nutshell. I was talking with an Old Miss uh, alum who was there at the time, and he goes, "Yeah, I just expected Ed to walk out himself and be like, yeah, to hell with it, I'm gonna light it with a cigarette, <laughs> just be out here, screw it, life's over anyway." Y'all watch these fireworks. Eat my ass. Bye. Um, but he's going to be great, and he won't get the interim job, meaning LSU now has to point the money cannon, right? Because LSU will spend money, if nothing else, on football, and they have to point the money cannon at a coaching candidate. And my prediction is that they're going to strike out heartily on a couple of these for real good reasons that don't have much to do. But they're first up. It's open water for them, right? There's nothing in front of them in terms of competitors who are openly shopping for coaches. I have two things on this. One, I want to talk about people who could take this job. And two, I want to remind you that this could trigger firings at an earlier and more sudden, dramatic, and foolish rate than ever before. Just what if we just started firing coaches like during camp? <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's going to work out. You got to go. <laughs> Illinois. You lost the spring game. Illinois did it. Yeah, Illinois did this. <laughs> Illinois has done this uh, two out of the last three years, two years in a row, something like that. Yeah. Mm. They, they, they like, always count on Illinois. They like their firing fresh. And then when Lovey leaves for the we, – we always send coaches to the Chargers on this program. So when Lovey leaves for the Chargers mm-hmm. – Uh, then they'll have to do this again. Um, Tom Herman, the top news list. Uh, and if Texas and A&M do not pop, to use the coaching lingo, um, LSU, man, they, they... Or basically any coach ever, even though they're only going to hire uh, like Steve Sarkeesian Jr., Steve Sarkeesian's son, or... or uh, uh, maybe like Marshawn Lynch because he knows Pete Carroll. Or he didn't uh, go to USC though. He knows Pete Carroll. Oh, at okay. this point, you're, you're at your USC is not that large of a school. It's not UCF. You know, it's it's not that sprawling of a campus. You're running Thank out you of for putting program. that into Florida for me, by the way. Yeah. Floridian terms. <laughs> <laughs> that brings to mind my favorite Big Twelve graphic, um, which from UCF's Big Twelve pitch, 
which was showing the list of schools that Florida high school students want to go to when they're freshmen, when they're sophomores, when they're juniors, when they're seniors. <laughs> and it's like Harvard, Yale, Florida, Princeton, and then it moves, and here comes UCF creeping <laughs> up the list. That's <laughs> reality sinking in, and by the time they're seniors, it's like, Look. Florida, UCF. Look, okay. this is, that was my senior year of high school. <laughs> See, so, um, so I graduated from Florida, for the listeners. I did not get into Florida on my first try. Um, I had to appeal Florida, and I ended up starting school at Florida in my freshman spring instead of my freshman fall um, after winning an appeals process. But there was a point in time when Florida hadn't gotten back to me on an appeal, and I have, had applied to UCF as the safety. And my mom was like, look, you're going to go to UCF. Like, we tore, <laughs> we went down there, we toured a weekend, and, like, I was – essentially resigned to my fate that like I was going to go to UCF. Um, and then Florida came back and the rest is history. But yeah, like I went through the stages of Florida high school senior and um, <laughs> we um, acceptance was UCF. I, yeah. I enjoy the greatest part of the high school disappointment. And I think what's the word? coming to terms with where you're actually going to go to university college or not right is the two weeks when everyone has decided to just embrace whatever it is we had one guy who did not get into florida did not get into florida state i think later he became a crack dealer in statesboro from what i heard but okay. yeah but he got into yeah. georgia southern As one does. yeah and i think he applied to georgia once he's like <laughs> somebody said yeah, you can apply to georgia southern georgia southern and he goes i'm gonna apply to georgia man maybe they'll take no he didn't this dude was not he was an enormous Limp Biscuit fan and not really bright. And he got into Georgia Southern. So for two weeks, he was like, yeah, man, Statesboro, it's lit. It's going to be great. Statesboro is going to be incredible. <laughs> it's going to be so good. And then like three years later, it was like, so what was up with him? He's like, oh, no, he had some legal trouble. I think he's selling crack or weed or weed and crack. I don't know. And I was like, Do you think he still claims the 2013 result over Florida? You're damn right he does. <laughs> I would. Right. If I'm, sit, if I'm sitting there in the sunglass hut in the mall in Tampa, as this guy probably is, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm a manager now. It's not bad. It's good life. It's cool. You know, I go to Boom's Day. benefits. Yeah, it's cool. I go to Boom's Day. It's, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, like, I would totally claim that. I'd be like, yeah, man. Cool, yeah, Georgia Southern, that's my team. Did you graduate from there? No, funny story. Uh, I had some legal trouble. I, <laughs> haters. Haters. Encountered haters. <laughs> yeah, haters. Haters everywhere. That's when you know, like, when somebody goes, man, haters, I'm like, oh, you got a record of some sort. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I mean, it might not be specifically legal, right? But it'd be like, wow, you've got some injunctions. You you welched on some contracts, didn't you? Haters. <laughs> the haters. No, you have some tax liens, son. Yeah, no, you've got some, you've got some heavy ass tax liens. Haters. <laughs> DeKalb County, total haters. City of Atlanta, haters. IRS is haters. I, oh, man, that, nothing but haters. That's what the I stands for, is hater. Um, it's a it's an Arabic spelling of it. You know, it's the original. The, mm -hmm. who takes this job? Not who do they want. I mean, we can talk about who they want, but who who walks into this and goes, yeah, I can, I can twirl this? Uh, there's Art an, Browse wants it. But, yeah. Uh, don't yeah. don't don't do that, LSU. Don't please no please don't do that. Yeah. Uh. Well. Uh. B Bobby Petrino. There you go. Oh God. <laughs> we, I think we've hired him for every oh, SEC West job now. You know, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Let's see. He's not three years out of high school yet, so he can't leave yet. So Petrino won't go until Lamar Jackson is done. Just make, just make Lamar Jackson the head coach at LSU. <laughs> this is a brilliant plan. You want quarterbacking, don't you? <laughs> There's Do they, no rule against it. Does LSU, does LSU have a realistic shot of landing Tom Herman? Because that is this is the number one candidate, I think, for any open candidacy in college football, either now or in the future, until he either decides to stay at Houston or leave. See, I am, I'm the biggest idiot in our industry, or maybe I'm just the biggest sucker, because I do think he's just going to stay at Houston. You're like, not, I think you're he, not, you're not alone. Especially if they get in the Big 12, honestly. 
if they get in the Big 12, I, I think he's going to stay there. Because the one thing that, oh, like Houston's like a group of five, like blah, 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 like Houston's got money and people don't understand that. These oil dudes in Houston got the money. There's money in Texas. Jason, is this a possibility? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, I, was, I was doing something totally irrelevant to this podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I don't, I honestly, it's hard to see him sticking around another year at Houston. Staying at one was, you know, I feel like that's the honorable thing to do. Um, just checking in for one year, like, yeah, I get it. Go get money. But it's always a little gross. Um, sticking around for more than two feels like pushing your luck a little bit. If you don't get that school into the big 12, if you do, then I guess all bets are off. Um, because, hey, Houston's got more money now. Houston's a better job now. Houston's going to get, like, you're already beating some Big 12 schools in recruiting. Now you're going to beat more. Um, if they get into the Big 12, then I would say, like, maybe that pushes it up to, like, 55% chance he stays, you know? Um, but still, even if Houston's in the Big 12, LSU's a better job with more money, with, like, way more money to spend, with, uh, you know, better recruiting resources than even a school in Texas because they have a top five recruiting state all to themselves and he can still recruit the shit out of Houston because he's not far. Um, I mean, honestly, out of the jobs that could conceivably open, to me, LSU seems like the best fit Um, and you're just playing, you know, playing the best choice if you're Tom Herman. Obviously, he's smarter than I am in this regard, but I mean, I, I would, I, as an idiot, I would put them number one on on Herman's hypothetical list if he were to ask me. Not that he ever would. I tend uh, I tend to agree with both of you. I, I think that, yeah, he should probably take the LSU job. And I say that because unless he's planning to do something, which I think there's probably, if I can think in the past 30 years, there may be two or three coaches who have, that have done this, which has become the, the self-contained cornerstone of a program, right? Uh, Frank Beamer did it at Virginia Tech. Bobby Bowden did it before him at Florida State, starting you know in the late 70s after leaving West Virginia, and you know to a much lesser extent, but still with a, a good long run. Pat Hill at Fresno State. These are coaches who were at a place for so long that they became the program itself. And I don't see Herman doing that because that's a really, really risky bet particularly when given he could be the victim of his own success and raise standards at Houston and miss that paycheck and miss the ability to either deliver the, deliver the program to like whatever it will be in the next stage or to take it and take that money he could get and get a much bigger deal at LSU where, yeah, sure, you can give me three to five and we'll see where it goes. And in the meantime, I'll make enough money to keep my family secure and safe for a lifetime. Look, LSU, here's the thing. You're used to uh, bludgeoning offense, and I think you're okay with a relative level of playing fast and loose with NCAA rules. All I'm saying is Jim Trestle's show cause ends in December. (laughs) (laughs) That is very valuable information. Uh, That is very good to know. Yeah. I mean, think about this. You also like uh, really big, tanny coaches. And a good coach, a great coach. For a given value of bludgeony, uncreative football, right? Jim Tressel was great at Ohio State. Also, you need a coach who is very uh, comfortable working with levels of academia and state government, as Les Miles' tenure has demonstrated. Guess what Jim Tressel's current job is? He is the president at Youngstown State or something like that, is he not? It's something like that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and then if you can't get him, speaking of Youngstown... Second week in a row, we recommended this. We recommended this on the last podcast, but somebody with extensive LSU experience. That'd be one, Bozif Polini. You know, the other name that is often thrown around for LSU is Jimbo. Um, He's been there before. And, like, I don't know, we always tend to just say, like, oh, well, he spent a few years there a decade ago. He might want to come back. Because, like, that's how people work. Sure. Uh, Everybody does that in their real life. Um, when mama calls. Yeah, like if Publix wants to hire me, bye, y'all, I'm gone. Because I, I, I worked there a decade ago. Uh, but, it, you know, Jimbo comes home. Polini comes home. 
just get the entire like 2004 staff back together under one roof. They'll be so happy. No, they won't. And then they can all lose to their old boss. <laughs> they can all lose to their old boss. <laughs> Trying to play the exact same style of football yes. their old boss does. See, this is yes. this is actually a palace intrigue by Les Miles. He's getting all of his enemies and former allies in the same place so he can stage his own red wedding where he just embarrasses them. <laughs> you got to watch you got to watch me at a press conference say how awesome I am. So is this Les Miles as Kentucky head coach beats LSU? <laughs> oh man, don't don't let's not do that to Les. Like I'm I'm legit sad about this because I don't think it was unnecessary to fire him, but at the same point, I'm I'm a little sorrowful that this particular meeting of coach, school and circumstance is over. Because think about it. What coach in retrospect would have been better to manage a school that actually wasn't in residence at the time of his first game, thanks to Katrina, right? That they had to go to Arizona State to play his first game. That when he gets back, and this is a true story, Fats Domino is sleeping on Jamarcus Russell's couch because Baton Baton Rouge had that many evacuees. So getting back from an LSU game, Jamarcus Russell, like, walks in and there's Fats Domino on his couch and Jamarcus Russell's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> How you doing? I'm not really I'm not really sure what's gonna happen to me when I go in the NFL. And if I knew I'd start crying right now. Like that's that's the circumstance that Les Miles entered. And in retrospect, like who better to like stick his face in that chaos and be completely unperturbed than Les Miles. And the guy who was, yeah, he's the centerpiece of that two thousand seven season, which is my favorite season in the history of this sport. Because everything went sideways. He's the only person I've ever seen who just called the press conference to yell at us. And I mean, yell at the press, at anyone listening, just cut a promo. He cut a wrestling promo right in front of everyone covering that game. And I think it was like my second or third credential ever. And he walks in and he's like, have a great day. I'm like, are they all like this? Is this how this goes? No, <laughs> I was spoiled. It wasn't. <laughs> are, are, are they all interesting and fun? No. No, no, man. Are they all going to make videos where they're like, you know, blocking shots of their daughter? And, it, you know, after they dye their hair and regain their youth? No. Less, less is different and less is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, uh, having your one of your first pressers be a Les Miles presser, that's like... Uh, when I fir- very first got into sports and I was told to be a Georgia Tech fan, and the very first season I watched was 1990. Yeah, I mean, this my, my people come from here. So, yeah, I, I got thrown into that for, until I escaped. But my very first football season was 1990 when Tech won the national title. So I thought, oh, it'll always be like this. No, no. no. But, uh, yeah, we'll all miss less. I mean, on the field and off, like LSU fans, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's bittersweet in a lot of ways. I'm sure they, you know, I... I most of them seem to feel it was, if not time, close enough to time to say it's time. Or like, past, yeah. Yeah, either past or close enough to say, like, we might as well just go ahead. Like, just the, the, this particular loss, like, you can say, oh, if, if there was another second or two, they would have won and then they wouldn't have fired him. And that's that's just kicking it down the, down the road because it was just emblematic of every single thing that's gone wrong. Um there was no offense. There was no quarterbacking. The end of the game got very strange, um, and it sucks. No, no one's thrilled about it. But it was probably, uh, if not the right decision, yet eventually the right decision. I mean, when they brought him back, like we should have seen this coming. Like we just should have seen it ending poorly. Like it's just 2010 Florida. Like they didn't fire Urban Meyer, obviously, but like Urban Meyer left, and then he didn't. And then the year was just a slog. And then he left. Like, you know, whatever. Still beat Georgia, though. Woo! <laughs> when has, uh, yeah, has that ever worked? Coach leaves, comes back only immediately, uh, and everything's okay? Uh, the Besides only- Kansas State? Yeah, that was, and that took, like, what? That was th- two or three years? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, several years. It was, two, it was two years. Two years. Two glorious years at the Ron Friends. It was only two? Yeah, dude, it seemed like a lot longer. <laughs> it seemed like forever. Yeah. Beat Texas, though. <laughs> he did. Ron, Ron Prince can do two things. He can get a contract and he can beat Texas, man. That's it. 
I, remember, I watched that game eating lukewarm oysters in a uh, in the Flavit Field parking lot mm. uh, outside of an RV after a Gator game. That's delicious. Did you get food? go Wildcats? Did you get food poisoning? No, I was all right. Deal, man. See, that's Ron Prince working for you. The power of Prince. Um, I wanted to. We talked about less for a long time. There are a couple of other games I think we need to touch on in review. The one I wanted to mention was Texas A&M and Arkansas. This was a SEC West matchup where I think we wanted to see if Texas A&M could be as consistent as we might imagine them to be, like in our wildest dreams that Texas A&M could put together several complete games in a season. And they did! Somehow. This was a tight game going into the late third. And then, uh, you know, they just dropped 28 points in about 16 minutes of play all at once via turnovers, via long pass plays, via Trevor Knight, not having a spy on him. Not once. Trevor Knight ran for like 100, I think he averaged, I think he had 10 carries for 150 plus yards. So a healthy 15 yard per carry average. Um, Just a a really unusual game because Arkansas had several points where they were six inches from scoring and did not. Which I guess that's a testament to, I'll I'll take it as a testament to Texas A&M because that seems like the kind of game where Arkansas should have had every single one of those scores and yet did not get them. Yeah, it felt like both teams were being um, almost characters of themselves, except for that one key thing. Like, Arkansas went on a 10-minute drive that produced no points. 19, which is 19, most... 19 plays, 10 minutes, and 6 inches from scoring. And did they score? No. <laughs> We uh we, we tweeted from the one of the SB Nation accounts uh like so what's the record for longest drive without scoring and every reply was like uh, a variation of my wife left me like I drove to meet this girl and it and nothing it got real sad and uh, that's a bad sign when people are replying to something about your um your your best drive of the game with tales of romance gone wrong because that's what it was for Arkansas just. It was literally borderline erotic. The erotic was never, never consummated at all. I will say driving 90 yards and almost scoring, it's not on brand. And so in true Arkansas fashion, it's Walmart brand. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sam's. Sam, is it Sam's Club? Sam's? What is it? Great, great value. Great value, Brett Bielma. <laughs> and uh, just, just like a Walmart, just like a uh, Walmart product falls apart in about 16 minutes. That's that's exactly what happened to Arkansas. There we go. Got you a segue. Let's ride it. <laughs> the other the other game that I wanted to just briefly touch on because I think A and M is good. I think the takeaway from that is okay. They're that this entire experiment with Trevor Knight. Who yeah, Trevor Knight gets to play Alabama, y'all <laughs> again. Oh wow, he's back. He's still in the league. And he gets to play Alabama again, probably on a week when everything conspires to make Alabama as weak as they're ever going to be. The other game that I wanted to touch on that might have some sort of import, and Jason, you can just, I don't know, you can you can go you can go saw something. You can go hammer some stuff while we talk about Bye, this. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run some errands. I don't want to talk about this. Florida lost to Tennessee for the first time uh, since 2004. This was the longest uh, longest win streak. Save Kentucky, I believe. And Vandy. All right, we got a couple of those. But, yeah. Actually, not Vandy. Remember, Vandy beat us at home in the James Franklin Jesus. era. Yeah. So, yeah, since the Kentucky streak, we lost to Tennessee. We lost to Tennessee after Jalen Tabor, not calling you your nickname this week, basically, you know, trash talk Tennessee. But after Quincy Wilson said that, have you ever seen a duck pull a truck? That was that was what he said about Tennessee beating Florida. And then Oregon filmed the duck, in fact, pulling a truck. And then the duck literally pulled the truck as they beat us 38-28, dropping 38 points on Florida, almost all of it in the second half. I'm at the end of the sentence, and physical pain is creeping into my body. I will say this. I so I think my, my my life as it pertains to Florida football has finally come full circle. The first time this sport made me feel anything 
was in 2001 when the 9-11 postponed Florida-Tennessee game was played in December and Travis Stevens ran for like 700 yards. That, that's an exact number, um, yeah. And beat Florida by himself um, and knocked Florida out of the national championship race. It doesn't matter that they would have gotten trounced by 2001 Miami. I don't care. That was the first time football made me feel. So for the last four or five years as I've been building some semblance of a career as a quote-unquote journalist, um, you know, you kind of have to bury the Florida fandom, you know, for the sake of professionalism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you kind of become removed and stuff like that. It does happen. Um, but, you know, this year, you know, you get a new job and a job where fandom's kind of encouraged. And, you know, hey, Florida looked pretty good against Kentucky. And well, that defense is really good. Doesn't matter who they you're playing sisters of the poor like they like they're pretty dominant so like yeah like this is gonna be kind of cool like okay so i allowed myself to feel again and this was my biggest mistake and tennessee crushed me again yeah we can't even blame international terrorism for this one bin laden this this one ain't on you that's butch laden butch Hey, he's a venerable object in the state of Tennessee along with Stuckey's, okay? So you can't... The, the, the one thing, though, it, like, it wasn't even... It, it wasn't even, like... It was a slow burn in the sense of, like, time-wise, but, like, it wasn't in a sense of, like, once once it got going, they were like, okay, like, I see how this is going. Like, when Florida strung those, like, three... I mean, it was, like, five straight three-and-outs, but, like, on, like, the third three-and-out... It was kind of like, okay, like I see, I see how this is going to go. This is how this is going to end. It's okay. I'm resigned to my fate. Yeah, the, the MVPs for Tennessee by far, the defensive line. The defensive line was incredible. Offensive line. The offensive line handled Florida's vaunted defensive line for the most part, if you watch it. There weren't many pressures on Josh Dobbs, and when there were, he skated out of them pretty easily to throw but downfield, way downfield into busted coverages. If like I, I, I looked at it briefly, like flashing through it, earlier today there's not just one thing florida collapsed completely collapsed and i mean from a total perspective it was i think play calling it was quarterback play it was the offensive line it was the defense it was everything yeah everybody most of the text messages i got last night were about the play calling um but that like what do you want man like what do you want it's i bet austin appleby's a really nice kid um, you don't start at Purdue for a reason. You don't start at Florida for a reason. Like, sorry. And I think he played very well in the first half. There's, there's, I even wrote in the story, like, not even just capable. Like, he looked good in the first half. Um, and, but Bob Shoup's not an idiot. And Tennessee got it figured out pretty good. Um, and, well, you know, there they are. And, you know, Florida looked, it, it was, it was a, it was such a drastic, and immediate role reversal like it wasn't it like after that first interception Tennessee had um to start the third quarter like that's when it flipped and both teams just swapped and that was it yeah yeah also there's this uh if you look at most teams that took a total ass whipping this weekend uh they did it at the hands of experienced quarterbacks funny how that keeps happening Josh Dobbs senior delivering well we have a graduate transfer and Austin Appleby making a start after not starting at Purdue for a while. And, and yeah, that's going to happen. Another game, because um, I'm going to rupture something if I continue to talk about how Tennessee beat us, despite the fact that they're a lesser program and lesser humans. The, the, the other one that stuck in my mind as, oh, wow, this is what happens when a senior quarterback is due. And your team is mad because they've blown consecutive 21-point losses. So they get to go home and just store all that anger and drink and drink and drink and wait until someone taps in their shoulder and says, hey, can I have this bar stool? And that team was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Mm. Hugh Freeze just – Hugh Freeze normally wants him to forgive, but he let him stew on this one. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Hugh Freeze brought the Old Testament out on the dogs. Um, I like, th- like I wrote, I, we, we put a post gamer up on, on that game too. And I essentially just said like, look, like you could, like, we can joke about them being up 31, nothing and it being, you know, precariously perched or whatever, but it wasn't, I mean, they 
beat the dog snot out of them and kept doing it the entire game to a point like I was, I was sitting in Dan's living room and like Dan looks up and he's like Chad Kelly's like kind of running but like not really like Chad Kelly's like it, it's it's a swift jog on the QB keepers because even he is taking mercy on Georgia because of the whipping. I this was a joy to watch because Chad Kelly has one of my favorite QB reflexes which is in trouble pressured steps forward where's the ball going 40 yards downfield <laughs> just every time, like, it's just you can see him like the minute he gets in trouble he starts to get happy because he's like i get to throw it deep like he like he loves that and he did that to georgia over and over and over again always to someone who was six two or over taller than georgia's dbs and in possession of the ball when his butt hit the turf just like I loved watching that because it was something that Georgia a could not handle by personnel and B that Chad Kelly so clearly loves doing like, yeah, you know, this is supposed to be like a 10 yard in, but I got to throw it deep. Like he's, he's, he's got the spirit of every great fucking I'm going deep quarterback ever. And I love watching that in a situation where Ole Miss gets to keep doing it and hold that lead. And I think hand Georgia, like an unsuspecting Georgia, it's first real serious defeat under Kirby Smart, not just on the board, but the first time that they just got, you have to do this when you have a new coach. You're just going to have one game where you get absolutely flattened. And this you free baptized Jacob Eason in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't. It's just this, this baptism is a serious thing. We need water to do it. So we got to do it at a school that's next to a river. <laughs> I like that. Um, Mark Rick's ranked ahead of Georgia now. Yeah. Yeah, for for now. That's a, that's another team, by the way, like, I did mention this in the top whatever, but Miami? I mean, I saw them against App State. They are they're very large and malicious and talented, and they're playing like, they're very relaxed. You know, Miami teams under Al Golden always just seemed like very, very uptight. <laughs> Lemon booty from uh, from, from the opening <laughs> tip. Yeah, like, like definitely Team Lemon Booty. They seemed as if they were... Miami Hurricanes under Al Golden always played like a man wearing um, a heavy, heavily starched shirt in heavy weather and a tie, <laughs> even though it was uncomfortable. Like they really played like, and you know, Mark Richt, he's a loose jacket man, right? He's he's got the bre- he's got the like easy breathe fabric shirt on in South Florida. He looks he looks tanned, rested, and ready. His teams play like that too. Like Mark Richt in a Guayavera on the beach. Don't act like it's not working. It's working. Richt in a Guayavera. I mean that that is a that is a holy roller fashion like fantasy right there because he can he can wing that white, right? That's a guy who can wear a clean white shirt. Is Mark Rick after Labor Day too? After Labor, it's Miami, man. That's true. It's we can wear white year round, right? Canes are gonna do it. Got them fancy new uniforms, but I keep waiting for them to like you know they need to like step into their schedule, and when they do, I think they'll be pretty impressive. But it, we didn't get to like say anything nice about them this week, other than. Oh, your former coach got absolutely hammered in the, or your new, your replacement coach got hammered in the SEC West. Jason, you got another game. You got another game that you know you got on your heart. Do you want to speak on? Um, not really. It wasn't that big of a week. Uh, Wisconsin stood on Michigan's head for three or four hours. Or Michigan State. Apologies. Don't don't send me any uh, any emails. <laughs> I, I get a lot of emails about. In the in the Sunday morning bowl projections, I ha- I've had Michigan in the playoff for the past two weeks. Ohio State fans are so mad about this, and I even write in there like, "Listen, it's it's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna flop it all throughout the season. <laughs> it's it's a fifty fifty. I don't care that I don't see any the schedule. Well, the games in Ann Arbor, Michigan's got an easier road. I think the two teams are just as good. Stop. Don't like. I'll even put in there. Don't email me. It doesn't matter. I'll still get emails. Um, so Michigan fans, now it's your turn. But, uh, yeah, uh, Wisconsin is, uh, it's pretty good, I guess. I don't think Michigan state was great, but Wisconsin's pretty good. So that's cool. Uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, will get a good big 10 West game this year, I guess. Yeah. That, that I like the math of that because it actually solves me having to rank or consider one of them for potential greatness, right? Like that game, I, I finally get to see Nebraska play a team that I'm convinced <laughs> You just say y'all 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 figure this out. Yeah, exactly. It's it's great. You just say it's it's like something. It's completely midwestern where you go. Well, we're gonna have a mediation. The two of you just 
present your stuff on the table. Okay. And I thought we'll you were going to say mediation like, we're both going to walk into the middle of the cornfield at night and one of us is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> we're that... going to close the barn door. Yeah, that, that too. Until this is settled. Yeah, when in reality, what this does is that it happens in a shitty office park, right? At like a place with <laughs> an office with terrible coffee and cheap chairs, right? And Mike Riley and Paul Chris, they'll figure out this whole thing, right? Like, okay, you get to keep the china. They'll mediate this. That's how this is going to work. I do. I'm just picturing the, the sounds. Like, oh, you got me. Oh, gee, gosh, that was a good one. You you got me hard there. Well, yeah. yeah you, you, yeah, uh, you, you, you give, you give. We had some some serious red ass Midwesterners in our comments. Where, where we were making we were making fun of their accents. They're like oh, the what? upper Midwest accent. It makes people mad. They say, "Oh, Southerners making fun of accents now, huh?" It's like, guess so. Guess so. Funny. How's that feel? You don't like it, do you? Do ya? Huh? Do you? I don't even, by the way, have you watched any of Fox's coverage this year with Wanstead? Oh, sure, sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the FS1, every FS1 game, um, I feel like there should be a large sandwich right next to Wanstead. It's, it would be perfect. <laughs> Piled like a big right old Permani sandwich, right? Just, yeah. 19 kinds of ham that someone from Pennsylvania could tell you the difference, but I couldn't. He'd get, he'd light up too. He'd be like, oh, that's a sandwich. Oh, that's a good 19-syllable word. <laughs> I, I love watching him now because I just listen for his Pittsburgh accent, right? Like, that's all I... And if you've seen him, he's hulking. He's huge. Like, when they pull back, you know, Matt Leinart is next to him, and Matt Leinart looks like a toddler. Dave Wanstead is... He's like Chicago Bulls 90s center big. Like, he's that... He, he could have told me, yeah, you know, Dave Wanstead was one of that, like, three-parted, you know, like, tripart center that won all those titles with Jordan. I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. Yeah. I'm sure this wants that dunking somewhere in there. He backed up Bill Cartwright. It's true. Yeah. No, he is Bill Cartwright. They're actually, that was his playing name. But the, the only other thing I could think to mention this weekend, um, other than it was the PAC 12 was the PAC 12 was a whirlwind of interest and error and really fun. UCLA is now rebranding itself as a tough physical team. So they lost to Stanford. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> and punted late in a in a move that would have baffled anybody who had never watched David Shaw and his beloved punts coach football before. When Stanford punted, like that's their power move. They're like getting bigger. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah. Got that it punt was, on. Uh, this was the, the 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 annual edition of the weird Stanford move that pays off just fine. Last year was the Notre Dame game when uh, in the last minute or two, I forget exactly what it was, uh, or Notre Dame scored, left Stanford too much time, something like that. But every, every year there's one game where it's like you just see David Shaw do something weird and it works and you say, oh, well, Stanford, he's smart. Sure, he knew it would work. Yeah, they end up scoring on a last-minute TD um, following an inexplicable punt from, I believe, the UCLA 39 on 4th and 1, and they punt, <laughs> which would be appalling for anyone if you are not Stanford. Additionally, Washington. Hey, uh, either y'all know anything about Washington? People keep ranking them. You, you know anything? You don't, right? They just Stop. keep sneaking up. Um, they beat Rutgers. They, they, yeah. might not have, they might not have beaten a bowl team yet. And uh, now they get to play at Stanford, so we'll, we'll figure some things out rapidly. My two Washington takes are this. Uh, Chris Peterson spells his name really weirdly, and Buda Baker's good. I don't know if Buda Baker's still in school or not, but he's yes, good. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, he's great. Okay, good. He's great. Uh, I don't know if he's in school either, but he's I really think. great. Yeah, that he, he and... Should, he should be. It was actually really fun watching them against Arizona because you go, oh, look, this is a Chris Peterson team. It was the first time I'd watched a Washington team where I thought, this looks like an old Boise State team, right? I can't exactly figure out exactly why... They're good on offense, but they keep getting eight-yard runs. They keep getting open passes somehow, right? Like, I don't know how they're doing this, but it's great. Way to go, I don't know why, like, Washington, like, Washington is always just, like, so forgotten by me. Like, I pay attention to Washington State. I pay attention to both Oregon's, Boise, like, everything, like, out there. Like, I got to beat on except for Washington. Uh I think it's probably the recent history of Washington football keeping you from being interested in Washington. 
that's mm. probably the thing doing it. Also in the Pac-12, Arizona State also undefeated, which yeah, uh, kind of wow. bad. Like no, this <laughs> yeah. is, no, this is um, no, this is now like noteworthy, right? Before it was like, oh, they're two and zero. Like yeah, they they were not supposed to be all that. No, nah, they're three. No, no, this is real, and you should be alarmed. They're four and zero. Yeah. This was one that I knew it in my mind, but it wasn't until I read it in your top whatever that it really sunk in. Like, they should be ranked. Yeah. I, sure. Like, they've kind of hit their win total for the year already. They were completely rebuilding. Their rebuild was on the scale of Ohio State's, and they do not have five-star recruits taking the place. I have no idea how they're 4-0 other than the pac is really, 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 really weird, and they're able to score a lot of points. Caleb so, Balazs. Cool. Yeah, that's two. That's a two-word explanation. There we go. <laughs> Kalen Balaj. They have a running back who scored eight TDs. Now eight kind of vultured TDs, but whatever. He scored eight TDs in a game, and he hurdled a man. I don't know if you saw the GIF. He hurdled a man, and they immediately show two Arizona State fans, two dudes, like wearing you know like fork yeah shirts, going like like that. So if you watch it over and over again, hands over the mouth, like oh my god. The, uh, the, the, for anyone who didn't see Spencer there, and if you did, that's, that's cool if you're watching us while we record this. The, um, the, the, the sound that I think would, would capture the visual was, bro! Falling away from the mic. Uh, the last game of note that I want everyone to remember is that uh, James Franklin's not a real good football coach. Here, he's not as good. <laughs> How's this? He's, not, he's, maybe, he's a real great recruiter. I don't know what's happening on the field because Penn State, Penn State didn't even, they didn't even keep pace with, with Michigan. Although everyone in Michigan was real impressed at getting hit by a 270 pound kicker who likes to tackle stuff. That, that's the one takeaway when you go, <laughs> what does Penn State have? You're like, they have a kicker who's so fat and mean that after the game, Michigan players were tweeting about, bro, <laughs> that kicker's for real. He gets I know, hurt. Respect. I have a lot of respect for Jordan Lewis, who is the player who was on the receiving end. Uh, <laughs> who astutely, I, I did not notice this, who astutely noticed that Jabril Peppers made a quote-unquote business decision to not put a block on the big bone punter. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, Jab- Jabril Peppers knows his role he knows <laughs> look i got some money that's coming my way soon i don't need to mess that up i don't need to be on sports and getting trucked by this kid in the not top 10 for years to come so yes jabril preppers you made the first and probably best uh business decision of your professional football career which will come soon jabril peppers not not ending up on a vine anytime soon <laughs> jabril preppers did not do it for the vine Done. That's it. All right, we're done.